Seems a short time. There. Had to make sure I say that too. So, Hey, we are continuing in our series uh, on the names of God, but I have to tell you, our kids downstairs in Kids Zone have thrown down the gauntlet. They do scripture memory, and they're really working hard. Our, our Kids Zone people are working hard at gearing their lessons toward what we're learning upstairs. So for parents and grandparents and siblings and so forth, you can, you can now have opportunities to say, what did you learn in Sunday school today or downstairs or in Kids Zone? And it's going to be in the same stuff. So it's going to be really nice for you to be able to have good conversations and disciple your kids and grandkids. But they're throwing down the gauntlet because they do a memory verse uh, at least once a month. And so they want to challenge us all to do a little memory verse work too. It's not long. We made you cards, okay? And even the reference is pretty easy. It's Psalm 910. So you just think 910, right? That's easy. Uh, and so you can uh, find it there on your cards and uh, be able to uh, work on it yourselves. It's about the name of God. Before we get into the message, though, I just want to say, if you're a friend today, a new guest, or new, new, uh, someone hasn't been to Zion before, we'd like to get to know you a little bit. There are some cards in front of you in the envelopes, and you could pull that out, and there's a place for your name and address and so forth. And then just to, uh, other questions on the back for us to get to know you. And then back behind the phony fig tree is, well, it is. It's not a real fig tree. It's, uh, there's a little box. That's our offering box. And so you could put your, that tear-off section in there for us. And I appreciate you doing that. It just helps us uh, get to know you a little bit. And maybe you have questions about Zion and you could answer, uh, or we can answer those for you as well. Uh, if, you, if you've been to my home, you know that we have uh, a, a, I guess, an organic alarm system called Max and Ranger. And no one could approach our house without Max and Ranger letting us know. They protect us from all kinds of dangers like the UPS driver and things like that. You never know what they're going to do. Um, but, um, you know, they, they love us. They just adore being with us. I mean, if we're gone too long, especially Ranger starts chewing us out when we get home. Just, it's like he, he yells at us if we're gone too long. Uh, I, you know, I love those videos, too, that you see of, of like, service men and women when they come home and their, their dog meets them, and they jump in their arms, and, you know, it doesn't matter how big the dog is, they're going to, you know, they're crying and licking them, and, you know, dogs love, uh, for the most part, uh, their masters, and it, it's similar to the way our relationship to God should be, because, you know, Max and Rangers, smart as they are, and Rangers not as smart as Max is, but um, they're still dogs. They're still animals. But we have authority over them. So when we say, you know, sit, stay, come, uh, we expect them to obey. And it's similar the way it is for us and the Lord. When he tells us to love one another or be kind, God expects us to obey in the same way. Uh, there are other things like we have to do for Max and Ranger that they may not understand. That might be difficult for them, like when they tangle with a skunk and they have to get a bath. And they're sitting there waiting. It's like, why are you doing this to me? Because you stink. 
And they don't know, they don't care, but, but we know that that's what they need uh, in order to come back inside the house. And, and so sometimes it's like that with God, is he may be doing something in our lives where we say, why are you doing this? And maybe God says, it's because you stink. Because there's something maybe in your heart. And, and regardless, after, you know, the bath or whatever it is that we got to do for, Max just hurt his paw the other, the other week, and we kept having to wrap his paw. He kept wanting to lick it, which was not helping it heal. And so we had to wrap his paw up, and he just hated it because uh, he, he wanted to do something else about it. It's fi- finally, finally better, uh, but uh, he didn't understand why we kept wrapping his paw up with an old sock or something. God knows when we need healing, even for things that we think we know how to handle. Now, I know the, I know the analogy breaks down after a while because what Max and Ranger don't know is they don't know that we're just human. You know, but God is God. And one of our hopes of this series is for us to see him in this high and mighty place of who he is. And he goes by many names in the Old Testament and actually in the New Testament too. Just because the the Old Testament, as I said last week, is written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. Even though the languages are changed or different, the concepts of God are still the same. They go through all the way through from Genesis to Exodus. So um, we're going to look at three names again. But before I do, I want to kind of give you a little help uh, or, or a clue or a hint of how to find these in your word. Uh, last time we saw that most of our English Bibles have capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D to mean Yahweh, the, the covenant name, the I Am. But what about all the other names? Because some of the Hebrew names might be translated the same in English. You might see the word, for example, God, capital G-O-D, and they will, what Hebrew name is that? And so one option you could do is go take three or four years of Hebrew. That's one option. Or there are tools. We really, as English speakers, have so many Bible study tools. There's something called a concordance, and I meant to bring one in today. They're super thick. It's a book that's like that thick uh, in pages. It, an exhaustive concordance has every word in the Bible recorded. Like if you want to find the word and, there's even a section where it lists every time the word and appears in the Bible, and you just page after page after page. Um, but there's other words like love and mercy and justice. They're all in there. There are two basic ones. Uh, one is called the Strong's Concordance. It's based off the King James Bible. The other one is the NIV Exhaustive Concordance. Now, since they're different translations, they're, they're obviously a little bit different in uh, some of the way they translate different words. But they all have something called a dictionary. So if you're reading, say, in, like, we're going to look at Psalm 63.1, it's going to say the word God. Well, you would look up the word God, of which there are many pages, but you can go all the way down in order, find Psalm 63.1, and then look over. In the next column, there's a number. So you don't need to know Hebrew. You just go back into the dictionary part, which is usually in the back, and it will tell you, it'll spell it out in English for you. It says it's the word L, which we're going to look at today. 
So you don't need to know Greek and Hebrew. You can just use the numbering system and look these words up yourself. By the way, if you don't want to buy one, because um, some of them are even online. I was looking at one the other day where it actually highlighted certain words and you just had to click on it and it showed, here, here's, here's the word, it was Elohim. Oh, cool. And so it will tell you if you're not sure which one it is and so forth and you want to know. So we're going to look at three. These are all based, all three of them are based on a little two-letter name and it's L. And it's E-L, we say in English. It's still just two letters in Hebrew. But we're going to look at L first of all. And it's translated God, capital G-O-D. And so you can see it up, up there uh, and how it's pronounced. Just a couple letters. But it's, it means a being who's strong, mighty, or prominent. It's used quite a bit in the Old Testament. Um, and it's also used, interestingly, as part of other names, the Hebrews would name their children or other beings names with meanings. So whenever you see a name in the Old Testament that has L in it, it, it has the word God in it. So there was a woman named Hannah who was barren. She wanted to have a child. And so she asked God for a child. And she named him Samuel L., and his name means asked of God, Samuel L. Uh, there's, another, there's another angel's name, Michael, and it means who is like God, all right? There's the, uh, we know from Isaiah, the reference to Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. So we see, we see those uh, in there as well. I'm trying to think if there are any others. Uh, but you may see, oh, Israel wrestles with God. Okay? So let's, we're, we're not going to look at all 250 references to this name. We want, we, like I said, we have two others we want to see. But we're going to see a little bit more of who God is. If we leave today knowing a little bit more, if God could peel back for us the veil and let us see a little bit more of himself, it's been a great day. Uh, 2 Samuel 22, verses 31 and 32. This God, this L, his way is perfect. The word of Yahweh proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is L but Yahweh? Who is God but Yahweh? And who is a rock except our L? So we see it's both a name and a title. This is a psalm. It's recorded, or it's written by King David, but he's kind of writing a summary of his life. And he's expressing it in a psalm form. And he, he says some things about El here that God's ways are perfect, so we can take refuge in him. And then he says, God is a rock. Now, we know he doesn't mean that literally. God's not a literal rock. It's a figure of speech, but it's filled with meaning, isn't it? Meaning it's a foundation. He is sure. Uh, Trish and I were out uh, for a walk along uh, the Allegheny River, River with Max and Ranger because they love being with us because we're their God, so to speak. They love being with us. But as you're walking along there and you got the river on your right and then there's houses up on top of the ridge, but what's right below the houses? 
really big rocks, like bus-sized rocks. So that house is not going to slide down that cliff too easily because all this, these huge granite and limestone rocks are there giving it foundation. So David says, who is our rock? Who's a rock except our God? It means something or to call someone or something your God, your rock. It's a declaration of who we worship. For example, and I know someone would say this kind of in jest, but they, they may, for example, say, oh, the Steelers are my God. Now, it doesn't mean they're worshiping in them per se. They're kind of, again, making a joke. And what they mean is every Sunday, they're either at the game or watching it on TV. They have 17 terrible towels. They, they have all the gear. They have hats. They, they have the stickers on their car. They have all the Steeler gear that they could possibly have. And so they're just saying, look, that's a focus of my life is the Steelers. Uh, anyone can make anything another God. It's a declaration of who we serve. And so that term, of course, can be cheapened. But he is a shelter. He is a guard like a strong rock. A God is one who deserves worship and trust. It also assumes it's bigger than you. He's bigger if he's in that place. Another passage, Nehemiah 1.5. Uh, if you know the book of Nehemiah, he hears that Jerusalem, the walls, in Jerusalem, the walls have been torn down, and he's burdened by this. He's not living in Jerusalem. He has to go talk to another king, and he does this quick prayer in Nehemiah 1.5, and he says, O Lord God, O Yahweh El of heaven, the great and awesome El, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandment. So he's, it's actually a prayer confession. He's going to confess their, uh, their sins as a nation. But a couple more things about El. He's great and awesome. He keeps his covenant. He keeps his promises even when people don't. And he also keeps steadfast love. Let me look at one more. And this one I just happened to find in my own devotions this week. Psalm 63, 1, uh, where he uses it a lot. Oh God, you are my God. Literally, O-L, you are my L. So there's that, again, title and name together. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And I, when I read that, it just struck me. It's like, man, do I desire God like that? Think about a time when you were really thirsty. We were, another time, Trish and I were on a hike. We took a wrong turn, and our, our, our four-hour hike became about a nine-hour hike. And it was really humid, and even though we carried water on our back, uh, just drained it out. And so was looking for water. And all I can say, I'm so thirsty, I'm so thirsty, I'm so thirsty. And if you ask me, what are you thinking about, Joe? Water. That's what I want. Now, have you ever been that thirsty? I, I have never gone a whole day without water. Uh, and I don't recommend it. But boy, wouldn't you be thirsty after just a day? Now you could... On average, people could live about seven days 
without water. You know what you're thinking about? Water, water, water. You know, the, these movies where people are going through the desert and they have their canteen and they're shaking it to get that last drop of water out because there's no water. They're just thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. There's a great movie with, um, I just had his name, Jimmy Stewart, called The Flight of the Phoenix, where they're stuck in a desert. You ever see that? Oh, it's a great movie, yes. But they, they're stuck in a desert and they're, they're I mean, they're, they're reprocessing their own urine to try and get water. And they finally fix their plane, they get out and they see an oasis. And guess what they do? They stop and have a chat with everyone. No! They, they ran to the water and just drank it deep in. And so David, it's a song, another song on David. He says, boy, that's how much I think and desire God. Like a thirsty man who hasn't. And I, that convicts me because I think, boy, do I, do I desire him like that? He's that good and he's that important. Who, who is your God who calls the shots in your life? Now, in, in, in the Old Testament, we read of others and in, in other cultures even today, they have idols, but we have our own idols. Some people worship happiness, for example. Whatever's going to make them happy, that's their God. That's their L. Maybe it's a political leader or an agenda. That is their L or a career or even their family, even good things. What if we don't desire God? like a thirsty man, like a, a parched man desires water. I'm going to be just real frank here, and I don't want to freak anyone out. But we should at least want to want God like that. Follow me? Say, man, boy, I don't, quite have, I don't quite have that desire, but boy, I do. That's good. If if you don't, and you, I can't look in your heart. God could look in your heart, and you could look in your heart. If you don't at least want to want God like that, I'm going to challenge you. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you're just religious, and you're just doing religious things. But, or, 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 or maybe, maybe it's just you kind of slipped away from that devotion of the Lord. How, how could we do it? Well, the first start is just being humble, but saying, God, I want to want you like that. Pray that. We could worship, spend time worshiping him. If you're not there, then spend time worshiping him. Worship him with the word. Again, take that psalm, Psalm 63, 1 through about 7. It's all about worshiping the Lord. Uh, worship him in song. When we sing these songs, we would sing, holy, holy, holy. We're not just singing. We are worshiping. Think about them. It's okay if you want to stop singing and just think about those words. And the other thing is be content. You know, in prayer, if, imagine this. Imagine if in your prayers you, you thought, God, even if you say no to me for every request I ever give you, I will still pray. I will still seek your face. That's someone who worships God like a thirsty man in the desert. Uh, another little practical thing to do, and this is one of those things I really want you to check things out with a doctor, make sure it's okay, but it's one of the benefits of fasting, of a regular fast, not for dietary reasons, but to spend time thinking about the Lord. 
Because when you, guess what? When you stop eating, guess what you're going to think about? Food. And every time you do, that's a reminder. Lord, I worship you. You are my God. And, God, and you're going to be reminded of him a lot through the day if, if, uh, through a fast. Well, that's L. We're going to um, pause and pray. And you don't have to say anything out loud, but if you want to, you're welcome to. But we want to worship him. Uh, and we have a little prayer prompt for you. L, you are my God who, and fill in the blank, who saves, who loves me. And so I'll be quiet for a moment and ask whoever wants to pray that out loud, you may do that at this moment. Let's pray. Oh, you are mighty indeed, and yet you listen to our prayers and hear your people and are aware of what we're thinking and, and doing and even at this very moment. And so, Lord, I do not worship you like a thirsty man in the desert, but, oh, Lord, I want to. And in your name, amen. All right, so the, these next ones, again, use L, um, but uh, there's more to it. So this next Hebrew word is El Shaddai. Any Amy Grant fans in the audience? It's all week, I'm going, El Shaddai. And I never, and I never remember the rest of it. It's El Shaddai. It's been a while. I mean, see, that was like, boy, that's like 1970s maybe. It's translated in English, Sovereign Lord, God Almighty, God who's all-sufficient, used about 48 times in the Old Testament. Most of those times, by the way, is in the book of Job. Uh, Genesis 7, one, uh, one, 17, 1 and 2, when Abram was 99 years, and if you were with us when we did Genesis, we covered this passage because God said to Abram, I'm going to give you a son who's going to, and you're going to be a father of an entire nation, but he was 85 years old. And five years passed, 10 years passed, 15 years have passed. Five, it's almost 20 years have gone by. He still doesn't have a son. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the El Shaddai. I am the sovereign God. Walk before me and be blameless then I will confirm uh, my covenant between me and you, and I will give you a multitude of descendants. Uh, interesting, the New Living Translation actually writes it out. They said, when Abraham was 99 years old, the, the Lord, that's Yahweh, appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. He's enough. So Abraham had to be content. Okay, I don't have a son yet like you promised, but God, you're enough. You're almighty. You could do this. He's worthy to be acknowledged and should not be ignored. Uh, in the book of Ruth, there's a woman whose name is Naomi. Her name means pleasant, but she's having a bad few years. She lost her husband, lost both her sons, and she's become bitter. And her, her name, Naomi, means pleasant, but she wants a name change Tamara. This is a good friend whose name is Bitter. Would you like to have a friend named Bitter? <laughs> or, or in Ruth's case, a mother-in-law named Bitter? Yeah, by the way, don't think of your mother-in-law at that point. It's, I'm sure she's really nice. But Ruth did not have a, have a friendly mother-in-law. Uh, chapter 1 of the book of Ruth, she, that is 
Naomi said to them, do not call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara, bitter. For Almighty, for El Shaddai has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and Yahweh has brought him, me back empty. Why call me Naomi when Yahweh has testified against me and El Shaddai has brought calamity upon me? She's, while bitter and doesn't like what her God has done, but she still recognizes his place. He is the overseer of her life. He could do as he pleases. And like the other uh, name, just El, to trust him as almighty to know what we need. Again, Max didn't understand why we kept wrapping his foot in a sock. What are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? It's because not only, Max, are we in charge of you, but we love you. And we want to take care of you. It's fortunate that while God is full of power and might and he is almighty, isn't it good that he's also kind and loving? Our phony, our, our false gods like Zeus and so forth, they're not loving, they're jerks. But God is full of love and grace. He can fix generations of worldwide sin and death. That's how mighty he is. All the sin that's ever been sinned, God has paid for it. So how much God do you need? He's almighty. He has the power that you and I need for our life. Are we content with, again, God only? Or is it characterized by God and? Well, I need God, but also this comes in handy. Fill in the blank. Let's take a moment to pray to El Shaddai. Because his power is greater than fill in the blank. Again, if you'd like to pray that sentence prayer out loud, feel free. Let's pray. El Shaddai, your power is greater than all the evil, all the people shaking their fist at you. The nations will rage, and it's only going to be a, a time even worse than now. But your power is great, and your mercy is great, and your power to save is great. Even the worst of sinners you, you can save. And so, Lord, we praise you, we honor you, we thank you for your great power, O El Shaddai, in your name. Well, the last name we're going to look at, again, based in El, is El Elyon. El Elyon. And it's usually translated in English as most high. So while El Shaddai focuses on power, El Elyon is also the position. It, it literally means to, to go up. It's almost a verb. And just a few verses on that. Psalm 18, 13. The Lord, or Yahweh, thundered in the heavens, and the Most High, El Elyon, uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. When we talk of God and we talk of looking up to him, it's, yes, of course, in a, in a real spiritual sense, but it's also in a real sense. He is far above. He sits above and mighty over us. Uh, he is majestic. There's a passage in Daniel as well. Uh, he's Dan, the, the latter half of Daniel, I just, boy, it's, it's tough to interpret. It's, there's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of things that are just difficult to understand. Uh, about the end times and so forth. But there's going to be a, um, it's called a horn uh, that is speaking and it, it's going to be boastful. 
And Daniel 7.25, he says, He, this horn, shall speak words against El Elyon, against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of El Elyon, and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for time, times, and half a times. So this actually, I'm sorry, not the horn, but the fourth beast uh, that Daniel describes. So God is the Most High. But not everyone acknowledges that. Not everyone believes that. Or they look at, at God as kind of a salad bar. You know, like they go, they go through and they say, well, I like this about God and that about God, but ooh, garbanzo beans, yuck. I don't like that about God. And when they do that, when they take what they want of God and not take all of them as he is, then they're really not acknowledging him as most high. You get all, that's who he is. This is his character. This is his, uh, his very being. He is the most high one. And to, to try and do deals with him of, I'm going to follow you except here, you're not acknowledging that. The world, again, we see this more and more and more, is shaking their fist at the most high. And even if you read into Revelation, where all the judgments of God are coming upon people, and it says, and still they won't repent. They won't call him the Most High. One day their knees are going to be forced to bow. And regardless of what people think about him, there's no election. God's never going to get elected out of office. Even if we tried, he's still going to stay in office. He is the Most High. He stays there whether people acknowledge him or not. We were talking earlier today, if you've ever been a boss, uh, you've ever had people under you in authority. And I remember one time, there's, this, there's a couple of the folks who worked under me in a, in a position in a, as I was school administrator who were being very subversive and talking behind my back and spreading a lot of lies about what I was doing. I was still in my position but as a human being, I kind of feel threatened by that. Why does anyone like me? And even politicians, I mean, if you get 51% of the vote, you're doing really well. That means 49% hate you. But it doesn't matter with God. He's the most high, period. And it's him whom we serve. He holds that position. Um, yeah, I read those verses. Uh, it is right to praise and worship the Most High, the El Elyon, for what he has done. It's right to give him thanks, what he's done on the cross, what he's done for us personally, healing your computer and keeping you. It's right to give God praise and honor for those things. But again, just for worshiping who he is. He is the Most High. He's far above us. But when we're praying here this hour, we're, we have audience with the Most High God. Did you stop and think of that? You don't need to make an appointment. You don't need to get clearances. You can go see him and be with him. We're going to do something a little bit different for our pause and pray than we have before. And it's called, an, again, theologians always have to have lots of syllables. It's called an antiphonal response which is just, just means we're going to say the same thing, okay? So together we'll say El Elyon, while we are small, 
you sit as, as our most high God. And then right after that, guys, we say amen. And then ladies, right after that, you're going to say and amen. You ready to try it? If we, we kind of mess it up, we'll do it again. All right? So with me, El Elyon, while we're small, you sit as our most high God. Amen. Hey, that was pretty good. That is our prayer to him. Let's go again into the most highest present. God, I'm, I, got, I got chills. And I know it's not about the experience, but we're in the presence of the most high God. And we acknowledge and we are grateful for Jesus Christ who paid for our sins and made us acceptable to you to come before you to give us a new nature. Oh, how grateful we are. Because otherwise we'd be hiding ourselves underneath the tables, underneath the chairs, finding, finding rocks and caves to hide in so we, so we wouldn't see your face. And if we saw you physically now, we would probably drop dead. It would be too, you're too overwhelming. But we are grateful, O oh, Most High. And we serve you. It doesn't matter what the world does or says, because you're still on your throne. You serve, you save. And so, Lord, as we go through our days, as we go through a week, we want to... Uh, remember your place, your position, the most high God. And thank you for this access. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for these names that tell us about you. You are great. You are full of power. You are mighty. You are God. And we worship you as your God. And Lord, as we even have our songs as we're going home, Put these words and, and concepts in our hearts and minds that we might all chew on them and, and revel in them together. In your name, amen. All righty. As our worship team comes up, just a few announcements. Uh, first of all, I, I sent a note out uh, on our email list. We need a little bit of help with uh, some custodial work weekly here. Um, and it involves like our bathrooms and the floor in here. We, we, we may have it like completely set up, but if you're interested in helping with that, we would really appreciate it. It takes about uh, one, it takes one person about an hour, 15 minutes to do the whole thing, but it doesn't have to be one person at a time. Uh, but because uh, anyway, but please see me if you're willing to be part of that crew. You're really ministering and helping uh, our entire body by doing that because it's nice to have clean bathrooms, right? And a clean floor that's been vacuumed. So um, come see me for that. The other one is our kind of our seasonal need um, is our field. And we have a beautiful zero turn mower. It's actually kind of fun to drive. And if you have never done that, then we'll teach you. If, if I could do it, any of you can do it. If you think, boy, that's a big field that's going to take a while. Yes, but what normally happens is someone says, hey, I got about an hour. So they do about an hour's work. They do just a section. And um, again, we'll show you like what areas to avoid and so forth. Uh, but that's coming up. I mean, I'm mowing at home already, so we need to be mowing out here. Uh, Steve and Lori Bly, they're not here today, but they normally manage that for us as well. So um, uh, 
again, it's very helpful. And I don't have that card with me. Um, the other one is for our ladies. It's this Friday night. It's a little group called Kitchen Table. There's a sign back there and little invite cards. And I, again, I don't know where my invite card is. I think it's 6 to 8 o'clock. Could someone like 6? Okay, it, it's on the card, but it's Friday night. Uh, bring a, bring a uh, dessert or something to share. And uh, to join the other ladies of Zion, it's at the Zion of Clarion Campus. Uh, just before, it's in Reedsburg, actually, before you actually get to Clarion proper. Um, so that's coming up this week, ladies. The next thing is, and I haven't mentioned this yet, is our kids camp, which starts uh, in, which is in July. And we always appreciate the generosity of everyone in all three campuses to help with that. Uh, we, we have some cards back there. You can see they're multicolored. Uh, there's the orange one, blue ones, green ones, yellow ones. Um, there's a, several ways you can help with that camp. And it's over at Old Ma- Yellow, old, little. I was getting my adjective wrong. Little Mahoney Camp, and they, uh, we, we with other churches really do a good job with our kids' camp. It's for elementary and I think lower junior high. Um, but we get up, we keep the cost down. It's a hundred dollars, or actually ninety nine for a whole week. Uh, and, but that means there's other funds coming in. And so if you want to get a gift card, there's a couple options for Walmart gift cards because that's where we just normally shop at. Uh, there's, there's opportunities to scholarship a kid. You could do a half scholarship or a full scholarship for another child. Uh, there is volunteer. If you want to go and work in the kitchen uh, and help with one of the meals or, or for a day in the kitchen uh, or a couple days uh, as well, those uh, cards are back there. And uh, they're, they're half cards. They tell you what you're, what you're promising to bring. And then you tear that off and you hand it to Amy, who's going to raise her hand right now. There's Amy. And, and she'll, she'll be at, like, on July 9th. She'll be, where is your stuff? Um, but no, she'll be nice. Uh, we gather them all together, okay? And that way we, we can then bring them all and we, and we know how much we have to, to spend and use and so we have, you're, you're, again, contributing to the spiritual needs of a lot of kids that are there. A week from today, we're going to do Family Fun Day, and that's a bike ride. We're meeting at the Rotary Pavilion in, where's East Brady? Over there. Uh, and so uh, bring your bikes, and we'll meet there. There'll be a, a little lunchtime, probably hot dogs, and then we'll meet you for some snacks and some additional water because you're going to be thirsty, panting after the Lord and you're going to want to water. Um, and so we'll, we'll have those and snacks available too. So show up at the Rotary Pavilion probably about 1230, 1240. We'll, if, you, if you get there and we're gone, it's, you were too late. So just go toward Phillipston. We'll meet you there at the, um, at the railroad turnaround in Phillipston. Okay? We're singing Almighty. Good choice.